Welcome to the world of fiction, where we're lying, but that's okay. One prepared host, two neurodivergent nerds, two authors dig deeper into the lies that expose truths. If you're a fan of fiction with a curious mind, tune in each week for discussions on speculative worlds, fandom, the industry, and creating. Let's talk about adaptations, TV versus film. I'm your prepared host, J.S. Garrity. And I'm the host who's winging it, Ludlow Adams. For our new listeners out there, every week I choose and prepare a topic because I'm a researcher and a planner. And I find out the topic uh, half an hour before because I'm I'm an improviser and good on my feet, except for today. (laughs) Let's get into it. So we've talked a little bit about adaptations before and some of the challenges of going from print to the screen. And we used Wheel of Time as our controversial example. Yeah. Yeah. What a way to open up a podcast. (laughs) Um, Today, we're going to talk about TV versus film because movies used to be the most popular way that print was adapted. And... Lately, TV series are all the rage. Um, And I want to talk about maybe why that is, if it's just because TV is more popular in general now than it used to be, or if TV really is a better medium for adapting books. Yeah, you know, thinking about this, um, I think in a lot of cases, the television gives people that longer form storytelling and it lets you establish characters over more time. It lets you kind of dive into things before you have to get into the real crazy stuff. Um, I think in movies, we end up having what we see is, you know, 90% of the characterization or the character growth cut out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're seeing the big action-y kind of things. Um, I think a really good example of this is, um, Harry Potter and, uh, the Goblet of Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, my issues with the author, notwithstanding, it was, um, it, it was obvious that when they were making that movie, they were going to have to focus on the tasks rather than all of the other stuff going on, which was really interesting. I think in a lot of cases, it was more interesting than the tasks themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it- Uh, According to the book that we're reading for our thesis uh, classes, courses, this term, um, it's Lisa Crone's Story Genius, right? Story Mm -hmm. Genius. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think we've mentioned this briefly in another episode, but her opinion is that the true story, the real story is what the characters are going through internally, Mm -hmm. not the plot. And I agree, it's a lot easier to really get into those internal journeys when you have the time and space that a TV series allows. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I definitely, you know, my, my understanding of that is, is um, a little different. It's more the the real story isn't what happens, but it's how that affects the characters. Mm -hmm. And what I'm realizing is as I apply this to my own life, it uh, makes me much more the hero of my own story rather than a side character. 
which yeah. was bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's a great way of looking at it, that if if it's more about how you're changing and you're impacted by the things around you rather than if you're going on epic adventures or doing these huge impactful things. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's easier to to be the hero of your own story in yeah. that way. So I have some a couple of case studies and there's okay. obviously a lot of examples. Um but I want to talk about some shows or some films that have become shows. Um and first just briefly I want to mention sort of this transition period that I think happened where um, they started doing movies in three parts, right? Mm -hmm. So I think we kind of started this with, and this is just based on my own observations. I haven't done any research on this particularly, but um, I think it started with Lord of the Rings. We had the extended versions mm -hmm. and they released those. And then we started getting like part one and part two or part one, part two, part three of, of different film adaptations yeah. to yeah. allow for more time. And then I think that kind of naturally flowed into this new streaming platform where TV shows have become the stars, right? And yeah. and then, you know, we, we lengthen it even more from the like two-parter, three-parter films to, you know, a 10-episode season. Yeah. So my first example is The Golden Compass, which was a film a while back that did not do super well. Mm -hmm. A lot of fans were upset about it. Um, the average ratings on various different sites that I browsed through was about two stars. Not great. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and the sequel did a little better, averaged about three stars. So clearly they did something to the sequel that made it a little better received. Um, but Rotten Tomatoes rated the first one 43%, which is not great. Mm -hmm. um, not the worst, but not great. And the audience rated it 51%. And then the sequel, there was no tomato rating which is kind of um, like critics maybe didn't even bother with it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we don't even want to deal with this. Yeah. So we're just going to ignore it. Um, yeah. And the audience yeah, rating was 60%. So a, a, a good increase in audience rating. But then we go to His Dark Materials, which I think the first season came out in 2019, something like that. Um, and its average is four stars across mm -hmm. all the different platforms and it's tomato meter from the critics is 83% and it's audience rating is 84%. And that's an average for all of the seasons. Um, those percentages mm -hmm. season one was 77% and 82%. So mm -hmm. and maybe there's a trend in the, the TV series as well of getting better over time. Um, but overall, the TV series has been doing so much better and has been much more, uh, a much better received than 
the two movies that they made. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think it really depends on the material you're trying to adapt, you know, kind of thinking about this in the, you know, generous 30 minutes that I had, um, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) um, is, uh, you know, it, it, yeah, it just depends on what we're adapting. You know, the Chronicles of Narnia books, I don't think would do well as a as a television series per book or anything. Mm-hmm. There, there's enough material there, I think, for a decent movie of each of each book. Um, mm-hmm. Or like obviously, a BBC mini series, maybe. Yeah. For uh, yeah, it wouldn't be as very long, but yeah, but I mean, even the books start getting a little weird. Um, pretty quickly so i think what the the disney three movies or whatever that they did three or four or whatever um is probably about right because Mm -hmm. they get stranger and stranger and i think they get harder and harder to to put on screen now if somebody's able to prove me wrong then yeah great but yeah that was i'd love to see someone try and do the magician's nephew Hmm. i think that would be a really interesting adaptation um yeah but difficult for sure yeah um they start they they have what i consider to be the hobbit problem you know they they get they get more and more whimsical kind of and that's that's hard that's really hard to put out on screen um except for a handful of specific specific people just kind of have a vision for it Mm -hmm. so yeah, I know quite a few people who preferred the little cartoon version of The Hobbit that came out forever ago mm. over yeah. the live adaptation yeah. in yeah. the, you know, three parts. <laughs> and I think that's because, you know, it, it's a kid's book and they, they yeah. kept it simple and, and you know, like a children's little yeah. thing with the cartoon that they did. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that Chronicles of Narnia is kind of the same. Yeah. My... My real commentary on the Hobbit, um, the trilogy, is is just that you had one director prep it and another director do it, and that's and and they're directors mm-hmm. with just radically different styles. I mean, yeah. Guillermo del Toro can do whimsical and and you know kind of bring that childlike, not childish, but that childlike air to something. I think, mm-hmm. um, whereas Peter Jackson does everything entirely differently so yeah that was that was tough um as much as i love that old cartoon i actually really did enjoy the uh the three movies quite a bit but you know not everybody did and and i'm willing to just kind of roll with it yeah yeah it had mixed um reactions and i think that's the same of rings of power as well i think it's hard when you have something that does so well like the original um lord of the rings trilogy films to then add to the the franchise or to the world yeah i think that you know you get these really high expectations and um and you know people expecting it to be the same as well um and you know i think the hobbit just is a completely different kind of book yeah even though it's in the same universe and the same world well, the the tone is so different. I mean, mm-hmm. to the point where, you know, Tolkien had had revised it a bit to make it, you know, the detail more consistent between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there was also a, an 
a point where he was like, hey, should I just kind of rewrite this to make it in the same tone as Lord of the Rings? And the publishers were like, absolutely not. No, no. it's beautiful yeah. the way it is. Yeah. And I mean, we we read read it to our kids mm-hmm. um, out loud. And right now we're reading them Chronicles of Narnia out loud. Well, more my daughter. My son's not very interested, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a great yeah. book as it is. Yeah. I'm I'm glad he didn't change it. Um, yeah, it was, it was, gosh, I probably, I think I read that the first time in first grade, which means I would have been six. Um, and yeah, that's just kind of, you know, set my life into the, into the direction that it's in for better and for worse. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's definitely a book for kids and it's a, it's very much a young adult book. And whereas Lord of the Rings is not. Yeah. I mean, Lord of the Rings, I think now I would probably define it as more new adult than anything else. And that's just because of the age of the Hobbit characters as much as anything else. Right, right. But yeah, it's 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 just so different. You can't, it, it's apples and oranges in a very real way. Um, just a fun little tangent here. Uh, every year I get my kids a new Christmas or like winter holiday book mm-hmm. and this year i stumbled on uh tolkien's uh letters from father christmas that he wrote mm. to his kids mm-hmm. for a long time yeah starting in like 1920 with his oldest and then you know as he kept having more kids he kept doing it with the the younger ones and yeah um they're fantastic as you know, Tolkien does, he creates an entire world yeah. um, with the North Pole and, and all these different characters. Yeah. Um, and he writes these letters as, as Father Christmas. And yeah. it, it's it was really cool reading some of those yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, and what a great timing to have a, a little bit of a Tolkien conversation. Um, yeah. At the time of this recording, uh, his birthday was yesterday. So, you know. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I did the 9 p.m. to the professor. Or yeah. You toast the professor. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, kind of neat. Um, yeah, he just, what a neat guy in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, definitely some, some issues there, but, um, you know, when he, when you're dealing with PTSD from World War One, I, I think, uh, I think you get a little bit of a pass on, on being a little odd at times. So, yeah. Yeah. So for our topic, TV versus film. Yeah. Do you think that the original Lord of the Rings trilogy would have been even better if it was a TV series? You know, I don't know that it would have, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. It would have added in some fan favorite kind of things. Like, it would have been really neat to see Tom Bombadil. Yeah. It would have been neat uh, for, for Mary to have the sword from the Barrow Downs, which is, which, like, stops the power of the the wraiths the ring wraiths specifically like that's what they were made to do mm-hmm. and that's why aowen was able to kill the the witch king you know those two together you know we would have been able to see some of that but i i gotta be honest with you other than a whole lot of like descriptions or shots of them walking even more than we got <laughs> i don't know that there would have been there's yeah. enough i i just i just kind of don't i mean yeah you know, the the Battle at Helm's Deep could have been two and a half, three episodes or something. That might have been really cool. But yeah, for the most part, I, I think they were better served as slightly longer movies. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm inclined to agree. And I don't know if it's because I'm biased because I love the films the way they are. Yeah. Or if it it's truly just material that was better done as yeah. a movie. Like even yeah. with Marvel, some of the stories are really great done as TV shows. But the movies, I don't think would have worked if they were no. in a TV series format. Um, no. But so I do again. think that even with the popularity of TV series and, and how well uh, print books tend to adapt to a TV series, I do think there's some material that's just yeah. better off as a feature film. You know, but but then again, you know, we, we always say this until somebody proves us wrong. You know, yeah. it's, yeah. oh, we can't do that. And then somebody does it and then everybody jumps on board with it. So, mm-hmm. you know, all it would take is one person to really kind of lean into it and do a great job with it. Um, and, and talking about going from print to movie or television series, um, the Carl Urban Dread um, is a really great adaptation. There's so much material there that, I mean, there's 40 years of comics or something mm-hmm. worth of material there just, just in Dread. And so um, they did the Dread movie and then they were talking about doing a Mega City One show. So dealing with everything with Dread potentially being a drop in here and there. Now they're actually talking about doing a Dread sequel um, 10 years later or something, which is, well, 10 years after the first movie was put out, let me say it that mm-hmm. way. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm hopeful, but yeah, I, I, I guess it just depends on what you want to adapt, you know, when yeah. it, especially when it comes to comics, like how tight do you want to focus? Yeah. Do you want to tell this story or do you want to go over a whole bunch of stuff? Um, mm-hmm. Which now that I think about it might be the, the big difference between the Marvel or the MCU and the DCU. The um the DC's expanded universe has been has been a mess because I think maybe this is me kind of shooting from the hip, but it seems like maybe they're just they're just going after way too much material in each mm. in each movie. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, eh. yeah, it could. I mean, it could at least be a factor, right? Yeah. 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 Um, one that I think would have done better as a TV series was Harry Potter. I think yeah. Harry Potter would have lent itself very well to a TV series. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. There are certain things um, that I think, I think would do better as a, as a television show. Um, there are things that I think would have been better as a cartoon done in like avatar style. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Wheel of time being chief among them, I think really mm-hmm. should be, should have been done as a, as an like avatar, the last airbender style kind yeah. of long form cartoon because you could tell the stories, you could stretch it out, but yeah, even you then, I don't be limited with you know the limitations of a live action, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, even then, you know, they probably would have been fighting for funding beyond the first two or three seasons, yeah. so yeah. you know, doing a live action where they're they're combining. They're shortening things up and combining a lot of things. Maybe may very well be the best bet to to adapt those. Yeah, and I could be wrong about this, but um, even though adult animation shows are are becoming a lot more popular, um, they're still more niche than a live action TV yeah. show. So yeah. appealing to a bigger audience probably had something to do with that as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's funny how even some some people in the geek community are like, "Oh, cartoon stuff. Oh, I'm not a Disney person or or something <laughs> like that." You know, I you get it every once in a while, and it's like, "Oh, well, excuse me, we'll go we'll let you go ahead and keep that gate." <laughs> um, all right, so let's go to our second case study. I know we talked about a few examples there, but sure. Um, our first official one was the his dark materials. Um, and now this next one has not been adapted into a TV series yet. It is just in the beginnings of production, but it is highly anticipated. And that is the inheritance cycle. Mm. Um, they did an Aragon movie. Mm-hmm. And if you thought two stars and 43% was bad, <laughs> Aragon... <laughs> was an average of two stars being generous. There yeah. was a lot of one stars out there. Yeah. Um, and Rotten Tomatoes rated it 16% from yeah. the critics. Yeah. Pretty bad. Um, and the audience rated it 46%, which is a pretty low audience score. Um, yeah. Not great. <laughs> no. No. And I remember when it came out and I saw it with my cousins and we were all big fans of the of the books and we were very upset yeah by how it was done and my, my yeah. cousins even wrote a parody song about how horribly it tanked <laughs> <laughs> I I I honestly think as much as anything else that was a studio saying we need another Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. you know again why I think like um, his dark materials or whatever that that series was getting movies you know i mean there was just a bunch there was like a five six year period where a ton of different movies came out of that that were adapted from books mm-hmm. including stardust which i i love but that one yeah it's very uh, different from the book but yeah they did a good job with it yeah but yeah so it's it's i think it was a, an example of a brand new writer you know, not having any kind of control over it. Mm-hmm. And the studio's just saying, well, we need to make it more like Lord of the Rings yeah. or something along those lines. So, yeah, yeah. that was. Uh, and he was still yeah, pretty yeah. young when that yeah. movie deal was made. Yeah. So. Yeah, he was. <laughs> gosh. it Well, it's hard for me to understand, like to, to get my head around the fact that he's in his 30s now. It's like, nice. Nah, mm-hmm. 16. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> No. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's it's been it's been years. <laughs> it's been a long mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And I can see where the mistake was made because Lord of the Rings was one of his main inspirations for yeah. that book series. He was definitely inspired by Lord of the Rings yeah. along with some other fantasy um worlds. So yeah. I can see where that happened, but it's not the same kind of a of a fantasy. It's a little more YA yeah. leaning and it's much needed more. to be treated, <laughs> yeah. handled differently. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely YA. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, even with YA. the epic elements, it's, yeah, yeah, it follows a lot of those YA conventions and yeah. it just needed to be treated more like the YA film adaptations have been treated. Yeah. Yeah, I I think they kind of like I, I, my my gut tells me that that was a whole lot of studio interference, even over the director and the editor, mm-hmm. um, you know. And that's really possible. So and yeah, they they all kind of got hosed on that one. 
Um, they see how well Lord of the Rings did, right? And then it's like dollar signs in their eyes. Yeah. Like we can just do this again, replicate this. Yeah. And make tons of money. Yeah. Well, it did. It did okay in the box office because it, yeah. it was highly anticipated, but. Yeah. Not so well after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel, I, I feel for Christopher. I mean, to yeah. be honest with you, I really do. Like, oh yeah. You know, and, but with this push to, to get the television show made, um i'm i'm hopeful for him yeah you know just to just not even well i mean obviously i'd like the fans to be able to see something they can look at and say yeah that that was great but mm-hmm. for him to be able to look at something and say yeah they did a good job i really like yeah that. absolutely so. i can't imagine how heartbreaking it yeah. would have been to yeah. see your creative work um yeah adapted that way and be received that way yeah well, I think the person to talk to about that would probably be Stephen King because he's had it all mm-hmm. over the map. Like so true. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. um, there is a lot of reason though to be optimistic for the Inheritance series. Yeah. Um, I do think that it could have been successful as as a trilogy of films. Yeah. I think that it definitely could have been done, um, in the same way that I I think um. Hunger Games was done fairly well. Mm-hmm. I know not everyone agrees on that one either, but I thought that they were good films. Yeah. And they were received well. Yeah. Um, but Disney Plus right now is the highest rated streaming platform for original TV series. Yeah. It's just doing incredibly. And like it- Man- The Mandalorian itself just broke a lot of yeah. streaming records. I think there's also the the fact that they have such a huge back catalog mm. that people are like, oh, I want to be able to watch this. Oh, hey, there's this new Star Wars show. Let me check this out, too. Mm-hmm. So I think I think they did a really good job of getting both of those kinds of things supporting each other. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like, hey, we've got the strength of our back catalog. That's going to bring people in. Let's keep them here by bringing in new television shows and maybe even yep. bringing in a handful of new people or whatever. Yeah. So And new television shows that call back to nostalgia that yeah. is well, in the back catalog. Willow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I have and not And Willow's doing yet. exceedingly yes. well right now. The I've, ratings I, are sky yeah, high. I've got friends who are absolutely raving about it, like saying it's one of the best television shows that they've they've seen. Like it, it surpasses everything they've seen from Star Wars so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, you know, it, I, I'm curious what it, what it's all going to look like in a year or two or three, mm-hmm. as things kind of settle down with whatever HBO Max or whatever it is is going doing. Mm-hmm. You know, with uh, with the, the Discovery stuff and that merger and everything. So I, I'm I'm really curious where it's all going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Aragon, uh, the interesting thing about it was that when Christopher Paulini took to Twitter and started this Twitter campaign to bring it back, he specifically campaigned for a TV series. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was yeah an interesting choice. And yeah. I think that he sees what TV series have been able to do with print yeah. material, and yeah. he wanted 
to, to try that. And he, the, he, it has been confirmed that he will be co-writing yeah. the series. And it's, so that's great. <laughs> it, it's across all kinds of genres. I mean, it's mm-hmm. everything from fantasy to spy to, you know, with, with Jack Ryan and, and uh, Reacher and all of these mm-hmm. other things, you know, we're still, we're seeing books, modern books or spy books and things like that being yeah, done as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really, it's really pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the producer for the Inheritance series is going to be Bert Salk. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. But he was the producer for Percy Jackson films, mm. which didn't do super well. Um, so I was a little nervous when I saw that. But when I looked into his TV experience... Um, most recently, Alaska Daily, which is doing quite well. He seems to be have a better track record with TV than yeah. he does with film. So he may be a good, yeah. one of the, one of well, the better and, options for that. Yeah. When you're one producer in a group, you've only got limited, you've only got so that's much true. control anyway. So yeah, that's true. You know, a lot of that's going to depend on who the showrunner is and some other things. Yeah. Um, which they're still looking for is the last I heard. There was a rumor that, Paulini was going to be the showrunner, but I think that would have been a terrible idea because yeah. he has no experience yeah. with showrunning. You know, th- I think the only re- way, like, you know, I start publishing the, the stuff that I'm working on and, and I get a television series or something. I, I think the only way I could possibly see myself being a showrunner is if I get Neil Gaiman to partner with me for the first season. Because mm-hmm. you talk about a showrunner who absolutely nailed it. Good Omens was mm-hmm. amazing. And- you know, Absolutely. but then again, he also had the power to be able to push back on everything because of his creative control. So yeah. when, when the studio's like, oh, we want to do this, you know, he'd be like, what would Terry think about that? No, mm-hmm. we're not doing it that way. You know, and yeah. he had that. It wasn't just his reputation or his clout. It was the fact that <laughs> he had control over the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that makes such a big difference in adaptations, ones where it's pretty clear that the contract didn't give yeah. much creative control yeah. to the the author, and then yeah. contracts where the author was very much involved. Yeah. What's kind of interesting to me is, um, oh, well, do we have another case study? I don't want to... No. Okay. Th- those were the two that I wanted yeah. to bring up. Part of Stephen King's contracts with people... Um, doesn't give him creative control. It gives him some creative input based around a couple of specific things like director mm-hmm. um, and principal cast or something, I think. There might be something mm-hmm. else, but um, he actually does really generous, very generous um, contracts. Like it's a dollar to 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 get the license for so many years or something. Jeez. Yeah. So when Fairy Tale came out, um, his his most recent book, um, it it was optioned, I think, like the day after they announced it or something, which means it was probably already um in the works a month or two before. So mm-hmm. yeah. My guess is somebody with an arc, uh an advanced reader copy for for mm-hmm. um anybody wondering what in the world I just meant. Not the Ark of the Covenant. We didn't have to get Indiana Jones involved in any of this. Um, I think somebody with you know who was sent an early copy was like, "Yeah, I wanna, I wanna do this." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very possible. Um, 
I mean, it's it's a no brainer, right? Yeah. Stephen King. Yeah. Adaptations tend to do. Yeah. Pretty well. <laughs> well, yeah, and and so uh, my understanding is there's a gunslinger adaptation, a uh, television adaptation coming out. I loved the movie for what it was. Um, you know, to explain why I loved it so much would completely, completely spoil the series and the movie. Um, but it, you know, it was good. It it, mm-hmm. it really it nailed exactly what it was supposed to be doing. Um, so, yeah, I'm. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to a television series in the same in the same world in the same setting. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Um, I I don't I'd, I'd have to look it up, but um, I think Gunslinger was received well. So it'll be interesting to see how the TV series does. Yeah. After a movie that that didn't tank completely, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it Gunslinger was so hit or miss depending on who you talked with and um the people who had finished the entire series of books were like, "Oh yeah, it's totally possible. Like it makes total sense to do it this way." But mm-hmm. um you know, people had a, an issue with Idris Elba being uh being the main character. It's like, "Oh, come on. Give it a break." He's a, he was fantastic. Uh, in it. I think he, he, he really did a great job as Roland. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's her name? Who, uh, you know, Game of Thrones and then Sandman and then Wednesday. Oh, uh, oh what's her name? It's escaping Christina me right Hendricks or something. I'm going to look it up real quick. Cause it's going to yeah, bother we, me. We have computers. Um, we live in the future. We don't have to wonder about this. <laughs> Um, but a lot of people were upset. Oh, uh, Gwendolyn Christie. Oh, I was yeah. so, so not even yeah. close. <laughs> you got the Christ, Christ in there. Like, yeah, I have no yeah, idea Gwendolyn where I went Christie, with that. that's Sorry, it. Yeah. I'm so sorry about that if you end up listening to this. I don't know why you would, but sorry. Yeah, total uh, just yeah. brain thing right there. But um there was a lot of criticism when she was chosen for Lucifer in Sandman mm. based on how she looks mm-hmm. of like this, you know, she's not attractive kind of thing, even though she totally is. Yeah. I mean, they made her look yeah. like a little cherub angel yeah. for the Lucifer role on purpose. Yeah. yeah she's, <laughs> um, she's a beautiful woman. The fact that she's taller gorgeous. than most men, I think is one of the big dish- issues that they have. Yeah, you know? even though that's like one of the things that makes her so stunning. Yeah, well, and she's a physical badass. I mean, she, mm-hmm. you know, she's tough, and and I think a lot of guys, um, you know, having seen some of my my military female friends struggle with relationships with men, civilian men specifically, typically, like it, it's mm-hmm. like it challenges their manhood or their masculinity or something which is that's unfortunate yeah it's ridiculous to me um but hey you know yeah she hulk kind of goes into that a little bit um not a lot but um yeah anyway my point in bringing up gwendolyn is that i think people just criticize casting for the stupidest reasons sometimes yeah yeah (laughs) What and do you mean it's not like the li- person I had in my head? Yeah, yeah. 
I think there's there's some legitimate reasons to yeah. criticize casting sometimes, but generally what I see is really dumb things about like how they look or yeah. what color their skin is yeah. or you know, things that just shouldn't matter. Um yeah. and things that are just straight up rude sometimes. Like the way that people were talking about Gwendolyn with the Sandman was just rude. Yeah. Like why would you ever talk about another person that way? Yeah. Celebrities are real people too. They have feelings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I what what was interesting to me was her comment about how in all of the the projects she's ever done, um it's Wednesday where she actually got to to look and feel beautiful. Yeah. Um and it was like, "Oh, yeah, I hadn't I really hadn't considered that cuz I'm mm-hmm. I'm a guy and I don't I didn't I just Maybe because of that, I just had no concept that that was even a thing. And it was like, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. Absolutely. I did some theater um, in grade school and high school. And Mm -hmm. there were parts I preferred over others because some of them just the costuming or whatever, Mm -hmm. I did not feel very attractive. And it seems like a shallow thing. But um, as a woman, like in Hollywood, when that is one of the top things you're judged on, yeah, that could be really, really rough. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm happy that she was able to to have that and that she enjoyed, you know, getting to wear pretty costumes and and feel dressed up and nice and pretty and yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm happy for her. Yeah. About that. Um. Wednesday's an interesting example of you know, a franchise that has done TV show, film, film, TV show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I like about this is they really went back to the uh, the original comic strips more so. Mm-hmm. So I, I think oftentimes yeah, I've heard that. going back to the source material and adapting from there rather than adapting from something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think uh, the guy who plays Gomez, uh, Luis Guzman, I think that's his name. Obviously, yes. I've shown I'm not great at names right now. <laughs> I think he was an amazing um, Gomez. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't see him a whole lot. And I think a lot of people were kind of upset about that. Like, oh, we did get to see him a whole, you know, a bunch. Or he didn't He didn't really blend into the role. Well, you know, neither did Morticia. And, you know, Catherine Zeta-Jones is, is an incredibly accomplished actor. Yeah. And the two of them are both phenomenal phenomenal at what they do but they didn't have a ton of time to get into the roles either you know they were there for what a half an hour total each of them so yeah i mean the show's called wednesday like it's it's not the adams family it's wednesday so there's a reason that they're you know yeah only popping in yeah a couple episodes yeah Um, but i i liked uh catherine zeta jones's uh uh play for um i can't talk right now <laughs> i liked her um i liked her morticia yeah. i liked her interpretation of morticia yeah. Yeah. as this kind of um mother figure that yeah. maybe isn't the best mom yeah um but trying really trying to be better yeah who's kind of not super affectionate but again like trying yeah. to connect to her kids better yeah and and you know when she tries to her daughter like pushes her away they did a really good job of an a slightly up-aged wednesday and and showing us what her teenage angst period is like 
mm-hmm. which we you know we never saw in the original show or movies um right so yeah i think i think it was a great it was a great adaptation overall there are some things that i really wish they had done differently but you know those are those are kind of little things that um mm-hmm. i don't think changed my enjoyment of the show at all right right yeah i think that it's just one of those things it's a, it's a type of art where i don't know if anyone can ever be 100% pleased with everything that's yeah. done which is fine you know it yeah. was still a, a, a fantastic show i really enjoyed it yeah um and i love the the movies um, yeah and you know the original show is so beloved and yeah um yeah i think it's it's a good example the adams family is a really good example of a franchise that has survived going back and forth between these yeah. mediums yeah um I'm hoping for a second season, but as of now, they haven't announced anything. And I've got a buddy who's like, "Oh, it's obviously going to get something." It was a bigger, it was a bigger opening week for them than than Stranger Things. So I'm like, "Yeah, but mm-hmm. they're under different money pressure now." And Wednesday could not have been a cheap show to make. Oh, totally not. So yeah, we'll I mean, see. just with the big names they had alone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was probably a big budget. Yeah. show which i you know if they you know do it right then they can have an even bigger budget for another season but yeah yeah we'll see yeah yeah we'll, we'll see we'll definitely see so mm-hmm. all right well tv versus film i think it in my opinion tv's just more popular now yeah and so Creators are taking advantage of that, yeah. but I do think there is still a place for film. Yeah, and there are some amazing films out there that yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change. Yeah, and if you need long instead. form storytelling, TV, TV is probably going to be your better bet. But if you don't, mm-hmm. if you can, if you can tell the the main story in a shorter amount of time, then movies very well might be your better bet. So, mm-hmm. yeah, depends, I guess. Yeah. All right, that's our time for today. We've been your hosts, Ludlow Adams. And J.S. Garrity. Thanks for tuning in. Join us next week for a new topic about the world of fiction. This has been We're Lying, But That's Okay. Big thanks to our listeners for your support. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review. Thank you to our one-man production and tech support team, Max Garrity for making this podcast possible.